Uh, we are going to need all the time that we have together. So would you take out the handout sheet that was given to you at the front door? We're going to jump right into this. We are in part 74 of our Being Jesus series, and I entitled today's message a surprise visit, and we're going to be talking a lot about the return of Jesus. Now, where, I want, where we're at in the series, if you remember, is that we're in the last week of Jesus's earthly life before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. In that period, he had an awful lot to download to his disciples, an awful lot to share with them. And some of that was about the future. What's going to happen to the temple? What's going to happen to Jerusalem? What's going to happen with the return of Christ? How are all things going to work out? And, and so after he would teach in the temple during the day, he would then go across the Kidron Valley and he would hang out on the Mount of Olives and just talk with his disciples for a while. One of those times, one of those long periods on that mountain is recorded called the Olivet Discourse. We're in the middle of that right now. And in talking about the future, which was the majority of that dialogue, we've broken that into five different messages because it's pretty lengthy and it's pretty thick. We are in part three of those five. So once we get this wrapped up, we got two more, and then we emerge into the part of the story where Jesus is betrayed and things begin to rapidly lead to the cross. So we are wrapping up a lot of Jesus's life, but I want to talk a little bit about the future. Y'all remember that Eastern culture and how they communicate is very different than Western culture, especially the ancient world. And the way that they would write is they were less concerned about linear thinking and getting all the right points here. They were much more concerned about beauty. They were much more concerned about different rhetorical devices to keep people interested. And they would jump from subject to subject. So, for example, if you've ever read the writings of Paul the Apostle in the New Testament... Sometimes it feels like a stream of consciousness. He keeps jumping subjects all over the place and then comes full circle around. Well, what it does is it makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> I'm rabbit trail guy. I'm like, you know, constantly going, squirrel, that guy, right? That's me. And so the whole idea that I, I far better fit, apparently, in the Eastern culture of jumping all over the place and being kind of ADD, right? Being able to see all these different subjects and how they work together. Well, when we read especially prophecy, we watch them jump all over the place and they do not clarify their transitions very well. They don't care. We love where something stops here and then we start a new thing. They don't do that. What they do is they run them all together like one big run-on sentence. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the future events. I'm going to do my best to kind of split out what we're talking about. But just know we are not going to get bogged down in the details. If you want the details of how the world's going to wrap up, I would suggest you grab the free podcast of the Revelation series. Now, we've done that a number of years ago, and I went through the entire book of Revelation line by line. So if you want to get in the weeds, that would be your series, right? If you want to get down into all the, the ins and outs and, and the debates of how it's going to go down, here's all I want you to take today. I want you to take the big, huge categories 
such as our Jesus is returning and coming back. I want you to lock that in your heart. I want you to understand that that message is a message of encouragement, strength, and confidence for all of God's kids. I want you to take that. I want you to see that you're not going to miss it. That you're not going to accidentally uh, find out that Jesus came again and you didn't see it. I want you to only see these big, huge, encouraging, powerful pieces so that you can go home with a full heart, right? So let's go ahead and do that. The fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you, let me just say this. Have you ever gotten into a debate with somebody about your faith? Have you ever gotten a discussion where they said, you know what, I don't see it that way. You know, whether or not they're Buddhist or Muslim or, or whatever. Maybe they're Hindu, maybe they come from a different background, maybe they're just a different faith. And you're saying, well, I, my view is a biblical worldview. And they go, well, I don't, I don't think it is. Have you ever felt like just kind of sitting back and saying, you know, one day we're going to know, right? I mean, either you're going to pass away and know, or you're going to be alive when something big goes down. You know what I mean? Here's what I believe and what gives me a settledness and what allows me not to have to fight today. Because I believe this 100%. It's a fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you. One day everyone will see the king. One day everyone will see the king. I don't care if you're dead or alive or I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your educational level is. I don't care what nation you live in. One day everyone will see King Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen? Amen. Amen. Right on. Let's do this. All right. We're going to throw the scripture up on the screen. It is a combo account. Of Matthew, Mark, and Luke here. We're going to jump into John a little bit later in the series. But it starts off with a rabbit trail. Yay! All right? Starts off like this. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, their job was to make sure that things were done religiously right. Now, whatever that means. So they had a lot of questions for Jesus. This is one of them. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come... Jesus answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for, seriously, check this out, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. All right, why is that a rabbit trail? Because Jesus is in the middle of talking about future events. And so the Pharisees gather around, they go, yeah, yeah, so when is God going to show up? And he goes, that's a dumb question. Here's why it's a dumb question. Ta-da! I'm here, right? So they're trying to ask because they think that when God shows up, it's going to be this big political, big military, big flashy thing when the Messiah shows up the first time. When God comes into mankind, we know it as the incarnation. When God takes on flesh and walks among us, They thought that that would then lead into this mighty uprising and it would be crazy and it would culminate in the end of the world. Jesus said, nope, that is not how it's going to go. As a matter of fact, I'm already here and I've been among you this entire time. And if you remember all the different sermons Jesus has taught on the kingdom of God, he said stuff like kingdom of God is like 
little bit of yeast that works through and then just suddenly you see it everywhere the kingdom of god is kind of like it starts with a little tiny seed and it becomes this huge bush that even the birds can land on it the kingdom of god is subtle the kingdom of god is kind of sneaky the kingdom of god is already among you do you remember that so the the pharisees were asking one mindset and he took him a completely different direction and said hold on i'm right here You're not even recognizing God when he is among you. I am the kingdom of God. Now, some scholars say, you know, in Greek, it's a wide open phrase that you're looking at, which it either can mean the kingdom of God is within you, or it can mean the kingdom of God is among you. All right, cool. Let's play that game. Let's say it's the kingdom of God is inside you. People are like, well, you know, he's talking to the Pharisees. That's probably not right. Hold on. Were all Pharisees against Jesus? No. No, as a matter of fact, we have Nicodemus following him. We have God Joseph of Arimathea following him. We have, but here's my point. Let's say it says the kingdom of God is within you. Answer me this. When Jesus Christ came to impress the kingdom on the world, was it or was it not a matter of the heart? Absolutely it is. He did not come in to take over militarily. He did not come in and lead a political uprising. As a matter of fact, what he wanted was the most precious and important thing, and that was the hearts of his people. So yes, both are true. The kingdom of God was among them, and the kingdom of God is within them. Make sense? All right, let's move on. It says this. And he said to his disciples later where he would clarify things. The days and times are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. In other words, there's going to come a day, guys, when you're going to get super frustrated at how the world's going. It's going to look like the enemy is winning, and you're really, really going to want to see me show up and fix it all. And that's going to be maddening for you, because it always looks like everything's getting worse. I know that's coming. I understand all that. But here's the problem. In that time, you will not see it at first. And man, you're going to feel abandoned. But I'm telling you in advance, you're not abandoned. I haven't given up the throne. I'm not walking away from my responsibility or authority. I'm still in charge. But when bad things happen, when you get desperate, when things get crazy in the world, and then all of a sudden things outside of your control start happening... Just understand this. When you get panicky, bad guys are going to take advantage of you. I don't need you being panicky. I need to tell you in advance so your hearts are peaceful, you're locked in with me, and you don't have to freak out about this stuff. Because when you get all nervous and scared and, oh, maybe maybe we're going to get rescued right now, bad guys step in. They take advantage of you. So let me tell you guys, here's what I need you to understand. And then they, the bad guys and those led astray, are going to say to you in that time, and, and, and if anyone says this to you, look, there's the Messiah, there he is, or, or here's the Christ. Don't believe it. Don't go out and follow him. Because false Christs and false prophets, people that say they speak for God but do not, to lead astray on purpose, they're going to arise They're going to show up, I'm telling you right now. And they're going to perform great signs and wonders as a supposed 
confirmation of their authority. They're going to be able to do crazy stuff. They're going to say lies. They're going to try to lead all this stuff. I, I'm just telling you, so, so as to lead astray if possible. And that means in Greek, and it's not possible. So as to lead astray if possible, even the elect, even God's kids, even Christians, even the chosen. But guys, I need you to be on guard. Look, I told you all this stuff ahead of time. Okay. It says right here, I know you're going to get frustrated. Uh, uh, have any of you experienced a situation where you look out at the world and you're frustrated? <laughs> I just thought I'd say that just for the fun of it. Anyway, uh, I had a, a, a gal share with me after the service last night. She said, man, I have to hear this message. Every time I turn on the TV, I freak out. And, and, and it's the idea that you're looking around going, man, the world situations are so crazy. And, and you have to understand that we are even seeing the light version of it. I mean, there are whole nations where Christians are slaughtered. You know what I'm saying? And, and if any time they're going, uh, Lord, any moment would be awesome. Can you just go ahead and shut all this stuff down? Can we win, please? I'm tired of watching my family get slaughtered in front of me. I'm tired of getting drug out in the middle of the night. I'm tired of all this underground church and persecution. This is maddening to me. I feel like I'm all alone. Jesus, when are you coming back? He said, when you get that desperate, bad guys are going to show up and go, dude, I totally know where the Messiah is and he's over here and you got to join our little cult and you got to do this and you got to be, you know, and we have the secret information and we're the ones that broke the code and, and we're the ones that know all the inside scoop and, and if you follow us, we can go lead you to Jesus. He's here. Jesus said, that is so stupid. Come on. You're not going to miss it. I need you to know that. You're not going to miss it. As my kids, you're not going to miss it. As a matter of fact, no one's going to miss it. The whole idea that there's another secret coming is not going to work. Listen, the first time I came, I even prophesied in the Old Testament that I was coming in subtle. I even prophesied I was coming in gentle like on a donkey. I mean, I told you, if you would have read it right, you would have known I wasn't coming in with a bang. You would have known that I would have came in under the radar. But in that same way, I'm telling you, next time I come in, I am the radar. I'm going to be so loud and so open and so clear. No one's going to miss me. So there are no secret messiahs. Because so many of us are kind of like, well, I got to be alert. You know, maybe I'm going to miss Jesus. Maybe. You're not going to miss Jesus. And what's even better, he's not going to miss you. Right? Right? Amen. Amen. That's good. So if they say to you, look, there, he's in the wilderness, man. He's way out in a special spot or don't go out. If they say, look, no, no, he's in the inner rooms here where we have our little special incantations. Don't believe it. And I need you to hear this. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side of the east and shines to the other as far as the west, so will be the coming of the son of man in his day. You're not going to miss it. Man, lightning. Now, you don't know when it's going to hit. I get that, right? But you know when it hits, right? I mean, uh, I've played that game with my kids. Maybe you guys got taught this when you were little, that after lightning flashes, you count. Have you guys ever played the counting game and then thunder hits and that's how many miles away it is? 
So you won 1,000, two. We played that game. So you can anticipate the thunder, but you don't anticipate the lightning. The lightning just hits when the lightning hits. But y'all see it, don't you? It flashes across the sky. It's so overt and so obvious. He said, when I come back, no one's going to miss me. It's going to be so obvious and so strong and bold. Oh, you'll see it. So if anyone tries to tell you there is a secret way, they're lying because it's not a secret anymore. Let me, let me clarify one other thing. He keeps using this phrase, son of man, and I know we've talked about it in the past, but because it's such a great term, I, I want to focus on it again. Why does Jesus, that's his favorite term for himself, why does he use the phrase son of man all the time? He does it because it does two primary things. Number one, it speaks of him being our representative and him being one with us. Here's why. If you looked up on a computer concordance, typed in son of man, you'd see a whole bunch of things in the Old Testament. Almost always they mean dude. That's all they mean. They mean regular guy. So, for example, God refers to people as son of man, meaning you are just another human being. So, in one sense, Jesus is saying, you realize that I've taken on humanity and I'm with you. I want you to know I'm with you. I'm not apart from you. I'm connected to you. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to live for you. All these things are true. So, he loves the humility of that statement. But he also loves the Jewish part of it. What's the Jewish part of it? Every Jew knows Daniel's prophecies backwards and forwards. And what did Daniel say about the Son of Man? Check this out. Daniel 7, 13 and 14 says this. Daniel said, I was watching in the night vision. And behold, one like the Son of Man was coming in the clouds of heaven. Okay, let's pause. Daniel sees this vision in the night sky and he sees a vision of the throne room of god there's seraphim and cherubim and angels and god the father the ancient of days is there and in rides on the clouds a dude regular guy and he's like uh why is regular guy coming in here that's really weird one like the son of man he came to the Ancient of Days, God the Father, and they, meaning the angelic host, brought him, this man near before God. Then to him, regular looking guy, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, all nations, all languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom is the the one which shall not be destroyed. Whoa. Daniel's going, who's that guy? Jesus said, I'm that guy. That's his favorite term. I'm that guy. I know I look regular. I'm not regular. I'm that guy. I'm the one, the promised one. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that sets up kingdom. I run the universe. But I'm humble. And I'll ride in on a donkey. And I'm gentle. And I love you and I'll die for you, but make no mistake of who I am. Isn't that a cool phrase? No wonder he loves that one, yeah? I mean, that's great. I love that. 
And then they said to him, of course, because they're curious, like we're curious, where, Lord, where is all this going to happen? We want to know location. And he said to them, wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Okay, there's a million things I love about Jesus. This ain't one of them. The whole, I don't know what you're talking about thing is really hard. You're going, I just asked you a simple question. I just want to know the answer. I don't need some weird cryptic phrase, you know. Hey, Jesus, do you want oatmeal this morning? There once was a slug. No, I know there wasn't once. There wasn't once was a slug. There's oatmeal or there's not oatmeal. Can we just answer the question? You know what I mean? So I, I know that there's a lot of frustration about that. So what is he saying? He's saying, where? You want to know all the details? Let me tell you this. When it's ready, it's ready. That's all he means. When there's a corpse, when everything is prepared, then the vultures come in. Now you go, okay, why are you using such creepy language? Because when he returns, there will be judgment. So what he was doing was giving a general statement of when it's ready... It's ready, but it's ominous. Does that make sense? That's why he spun it the way he did. And then he says a very important phrase for them. We take it for granted. Very important. He said, but first, before I set up my kingdom, before all this crazy stuff hits, before I show up as the mighty king that I am, but first, he, and he's speaking of himself in the third person, he must suffer many things. And be rejected by this generation. Ouch. Because you got to imagine the disciples are going, I'm so glad I'm on your team. Man, we're just going to like take over everything, right? Because you're telling me that you're going to set up a kingdom. You're telling me that once again, the Jews are going to have the full redemption. You're telling me that, that, that we're going to set up in Jerusalem and in the temple and it's going to be awesome. And, and you're going to lead us and, and we're going to be super popular, huh? So can we do that now? And Jesus said, no. As a matter of fact, not only is in between there and now a gap, but in between now and then there's sorrow. And I need you to understand that. I'm not losing, it's planned. So I want you to understand. He said, and immediately after the tribulation of those days, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from heaven. And the powers in and of the heavens will be shaken. Now you want to talk about on earth. On earth there will be distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the seas and the waves. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Dang, that sounds scary. Is it? Well, kind of. Is it figurative or literal? Both. Both. You guys usually know that my answer to everything is always both, right? <laughs> That's, ah, you're tricky. Okay. In prophecy, some things are figurative and some things are literal. Do we all know that? I mean, because when Jesus died... On the cross, there was a literal earthquake. It wasn't a figurative earthquake. It was a shake the ground, rip stuff open earthquake. 
When he died, there was darkness over the land. It wasn't a figurative darkness over the land. It was darkness over the land. On Mount Sinai, when the clouds came down and there was fire on the mountain, it was not a figurative fire and figurative clouds. It was literal fire and clouds. When they went through the Red Sea, the water literally split apart so they could walk through. But in Revelation, when we read that the Antichrist is going to come like a beast that rises out of the sea with seven heads and ten crowns, is that what we're looking for? Because he'd be easy to spot. <laughs> hey guys, who's the Antichrist? Well, I don't know, the guy going blah, 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 over here, that, bet you that's the dude. Do y'all understand? Sometimes it's not literal. What that means is a man will rise up out of a people group and he will be given certain authority and he will be given certain power. That's what it means. So is this literal or figurative? Yes, it is. Because in some ways, there's going to be spiritual powers that will be shaken. In some ways, there's going to be literal signs in heaven that are going to be really weird and the intensity of our earth getting into a tension of two kingdoms smashing head to head is real. So are there eclipses? Are there this? Are there tsunamis? Are there earthquakes? Are there? Yeah, there are. Now, have there always been? Yeah. Did they happen in Jesus' day? Yes. Right after Jesus, even around the same time as the destruction of Jerusalem, there was massive earth movement and there was all kinds of cataclysmic events. Is there going to be at the end times? Yes. Why? Because the world is God's drama. And so that is a scene-setting thing where all of a sudden the seas start moving and the sky is changing. And yeah, because the king is coming. And when the king is coming, all of creation starts getting out of the way and getting prepared. You know what I mean? So yeah, there's going to be an intensity of that. Then will appear in heaven what we call the sky, the sign of the Son of Man. Well, what's that? Is it a sign about Jesus or is Jesus the sign? I have no idea. All I know is everybody's going to recognize it. Why? Look at the next line. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Wait, wait, wait. I thought Jesus coming back was an awesome thing. It is if you're his kids. If you're not, it's not awesome. Mourn, that's kind of a weird word. You see him and you start to mourn. Jews immediately go, that's Zechariah. I know that prophecy. I know that one. And sure enough, here's exactly what it says. Zechariah 12.10. The Messiah speaking in prophecy said, And I will pour on the house of David, that's Israel, and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him. In that day, there will be great mourning in Jerusalem. The Jews are like, oh, wait, they're going to see you and you're what? You're pierced? What, what does that mean? Is that not a perfect description of what happens in crucifixion? Do you remember when he came back and saw the disciples and he showed them his hands and his feet? And they looked upon the one that was pierced. To his kids, it was joyful. But what happens if you're the one that nailed him there? 
what happens if you're the one that has rejected him and you said he's not really the Messiah and now here he comes in the clouds and you can see the holes in his hands? What are you going to do then? Now, contextually, they're talking about the tribes of Israel mourning, going, that is our Messiah. How did we miss it? But it's not only Israel. It's anyone that has stood against God. All the tribes of the world are going to mourn and go, what? Oh, no. Right? And then they will see the Son of Man, the Messiah, coming on the clouds in a cloud of heaven with great power and great glory. What's a cloud thing all about? An awful lot of clouds. If you remember, when Jesus, after he dies and comes back to life, and he's talking with his disciples up on the Mount of Olives, he ascends. He literally raises up. Do you remember this? He raises up into the sky and disappears in the clouds. Do you remember that the angels then said what? He's going to come back the same way he took off. What's the cloud thing? The cloud is a visible manifestation of the power of God. What does that mean? Once again, Mount Sinai, fire and a bunch of clouds. When Moses met with God at the tent of meeting, a big old cloud came down. When Israel was walking through the desert for 40 years, they were led by a pillar of cloud. Are y'all getting it? The idea is saying, listen, it's just a visual representation that there is power and glory coming. Why does it have to be a cloud? I have no idea. But it's a cloud. So he's going to come in the cloud with great power and glory. And then he will send his messengers, his warriors, his angels out with a loud trumpet call. Right? So that's the shofar blast when it would call Israel to meeting or it would call them to war. There's this massive sound. I'm not going to do the sound because then that would be dumb. Uh, there's a, <laughs> I almost did it. There's a massive sound of a trumpet call. And they will gather his elect. Who are his elect? His kids. Now, you can say, well, prophetically, he's got to gather Israel in. And, and that you're, you're right. There's all parts of that. But I, I don't want you to miss this. He's going to gather his chosen people, whoever they are. And notice how he gathers them. He gathers them from the four winds. That means everywhere. From the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven, from one end of heaven to the other. No one is forgotten. No one is missed. There's no accidental skipping over. He knows who are his. Now, when all these signs start taking place, straighten up, raise up your head, because your redemption is drawing near. It means this. Man, when you feel so beat up and distraught, and all of a sudden you start seeing the signs increasing. I want confidence to rise up. I don't want you panicky. I don't want you scared. I don't want you worried about it. I got it. What I want you to do is lift up, be encouraged, allow strength to rise back into your spine. I want you to lift your head up because, man, help is on its way. That's how we're supposed to view it. It's not a fearful, oh, no, here come all these crazy signs. What's going to happen to me? It's, man, my Jesus is coming and he's going to make it right. You know how, um, I don't know if you've ever had uh, the opportunity to call an ambulance. Um, but when something is really bad, 
you're told to call 911. When you call 911, they say that they're sending out an ambulance. Immediately, you feel like help is on the way. And somehow you believe that what you couldn't handle on your own and you were scared because you didn't know how bad it was going to get, somehow a peace settles in that says experts are coming with better resources than you. You know what I mean? This is what he's trying to say. And when you see this stuff intensely happening, you're not going to miss it. It's not super subtle. Stuff's going to show up. Yeah, it's going to be kind of obvious to you guys, to my kids who are paying attention. It's not going to be, you don't have to have the Bible code. You don't have to make charts and be a beautiful mind writing on windows in your room to figure it out. You're going to see it. I'm going to be very clear on it. And when I start doing that, instead of panicking, just know help is on the way. It's scarier for people who aren't in persecution. Right? But for all those nations I spoke of that are being slaughtered, they can't wait for it to be over. You understand what I mean? That's much more the world than here. He told him a parable. He said, guys, I got a parable. It's just real basic. It's not hard to understand. Look at the fig tree. Learn its lesson. All, all the trees, as soon as the fig tree's branch becomes tender, as soon as they come out and leave, you see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. Man, if you're paying attention, it's kind of easy to track on the signs for summer. In the same way, if you're paying attention, it's kind of easy to track on my arrival. I just need you to know that. So also, when you see all these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. That he, kingdom of God's a person, that Jesus is near at the very gate. So listen up, this is deep. This generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, no. You can take them to the bank. They never pass away. Okay, wait, what? What do you mean this generation is going to pass away? Who's he talking to? What, the Lord's coming back before the disciples die? Uh, no, that didn't happen. Is Jesus wrong? Of course he's not wrong. Are the gospel writers wrong? No, they're not wrong. But what is he talking about? Well, I don't know. Let me give you two options. Either he means, as I've been talking, remember, it's one long conversation about A.D. 70, the destruction of the temple, and about the end of the world. So either he's referring to one or the other. Either he means, guys, this generation's not going to end before the temple is destroyed. Is that true? Yes, it came within less than 40 years. Or he means that once these signs take place, Jesus is coming back in the lifetime of the people that begin to see those signs. Is that going to be true? Yes. So what's the answer? Both. It always is both. All right, moving on. <laughs> but watch yourselves, he said. As these future events reveal themselves, watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. Because if that happens, yeah, this day will suddenly come upon you like a trap. Make no mistake, it's going to come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth. But you, my followers, I want you to stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place. Meaning you keep your courage, you keep your mind locked in Jesus, and that you would be able to stand before the Son of Man 
proud of saying he's going to tell me I'm a good and faithful servant. But concerning the day and the hour when I come back, nobody knows that. Not even the angels in heaven. I don't even know, but only the Father. Hmm. Watch yourselves. What do you mean, watch myself? What, am I supposed to be paranoid? Is that what, is that what it means? No. What did he say to watch yourselves for? Man, when I take a long time to come back, don't give up and get so locked in the world that you're completely lost in distraction. Because if that happens, I lost your heart. What I want is your heart. This whole idea that you're going to go, man, he's taking too long. Maybe it's bogus. Maybe I can live however I want. Maybe this Christianity thing is just for religious people. Maybe Jesus isn't true in what he said. Understand, distractions are vying for your attention. Don't you dare let your mind and heart be stolen away. That's what it means. How are we supposed to prepare? I don't know. How are you going to prepare for the end of the world? You're not but you can prepare your heart, right? Because the only thing that matters is your relationship with Jesus Christ. So what do you think you should work on? Your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because there's nothing else you're preparing for. What are you going to do? Let's say you do get the date right and you prepared for it and all this stuff. First of all, you'd be the only person alive and then God would be wrong. But that's not important right now. Let's say you figure out the season and then you know. Now what? What are you going to do different? Nothing. Jesus is going to do what he's going to do. So what's the point? Do you know him or not? Do not let distractions steal you away. Because here's the thing. We're all very good at adrenaline moments. What we're not good at is the mundane day to day. We are all awesome and getting fired up and going, yeah, let's charge the hill. But what about when you're in a cubicle and nothing's going on? Are you living for Jesus? If I said we have an outreach event, y'all would get fired up and go, dude, I can do anything for like six hours. But if I said, do you live outreach focused? No, you don't. Why? Because that's harder. When you're going and doing your grocery shopping at Winco, are you in a mindset of evangelism? No, but when there's a divine appointment and you're in church and you see someone that's new, suddenly you're ready to do it. It's too hard in the regular day-to-day, but that's what demonstrates our hearts. The other one can demonstrate our emotions, but that demonstrates the intent of our life. He said, don't let the world steal you away from me. Man, I'm going to be gone for a while. Telling you right now. It may come in your lifetime, it may not. But I need you with me at all times. Now, can I drop in at any moment? Of course I can. And if you're tracking on me, it doesn't take you by surprise. Watch this. For just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and destroyed them all, swept them all away. So it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. Okay, let's analyze this for a second. Who was caught off guard by the flood? The world. Was Noah caught off guard? (laughs) No. He's like, dude, I've been building a boat for 300 years, man. I hope there's a flood, (laughs) right? Because otherwise, I look super stupid. Not only that, but was there no warning? 
There's a big, enormous boat in your town. It was super obvious. How in the world did they not know that a flood was coming when a guy starts building a boat? And he preached every day. It wasn't like they didn't hear a million messages on be ready, a flood's coming. But what were they doing when it happened? Boring, mundane, regular stuff, totally distracted by the world. Why? Because it took too long. That's why. So no, not everybody was caught off guard. Only the people that gave up. For the Moses, even though he didn't know the day the rain was going to fall, he wasn't shocked that the rain fell. I mean, he knew that at some point he needed to get the boat done. He knew it wasn't going to happen until the boat got done because that's kind of a lame boat, right? If it doesn't float. So he kind of knew a general season, but he had no idea when the first droplet was going to come. But it didn't catch him off guard. In a similar way, likewise, as in the days of Lot with Sodom and Gomorrah, they too were doing boring, regular stuff. They were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So it will be on the day the Son of Man is revealed. Yeah, if you ignore everything, it's going to catch you off guard. If you don't ignore everything and you actually stay close to the Lord... You're not supposed to be completely caught off guard. It's going to be obvious. Sudden, but obvious. Let me close with this. I tell you, he said, on that day, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. In that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. There'll be two women grinding at the mill together. One will be taken, the other one's going to be left. Therefore, stay awake, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming something interesting for you what do you think that's talking about i mean let's say you've been in church for a really long time right what do you think it's referring to is it referring to the rapture right y'all know about this? this 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 concept and and it seems to be legit but who knows that one day the believers are going to be caught up with jesus in the air and <laughs> vacuumed up and they're all gone y'all remember the big series left behind that's what it was talking about right Okay, is that what it's talking about? Maybe. Here's what's interesting. Most scholars don't think it is. Why? Because in context and how it relates to prophecy, it's referring to destruction takes one away and leaves the righteous to enter into the millennial kingdom with Jesus. So are the bad guys getting swept away or are the good guys getting taken away? I don't know. Here's the point. It's an individual gig. Why is that important? Because I don't care who you're married to. Do you love Jesus? I don't care who your family is. I don't care what lineage you come from. I don't care if your nation calls itself Christian. I don't care what a religious organization you are affiliated with. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Because it's an individual selection process. Two will be in bed. One will be gone. The other will be left. Oh, but my wife, she's better at that stuff, right? Oh, she knows the Bible better, right? She kind of takes us to church, right? She kind of leads the kids, right? So we're good. No, we're not good. She and the kids are good. You're not good. Oh, well, you know what, man? I come from a whole line of pastors, man. I've been pastor after pastor after pastor. I was in the ministry for a little while. Were you? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's what matters. 
understand the gate is narrow and everybody goes through one by one. You do not get in on someone else's coattails. You do not get in by association. You get in on whether or not you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's what I want everyone that can hear my voice, that can see my face, that is here to hear. I want the return of Jesus to be awesome for everyone. I want everyone that can hear. I want everyone to say, man, here comes my Jesus. Not here comes the Jesus. Not here comes your Jesus. Here comes my Jesus. Because I don't want anyone having any fear at all for the end of the world. I don't want anybody concerned or worried because if he's your Jesus, you have nothing to fear. Amen? If you allow the world to take you away and you don't know Jesus, you have everything to fear. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Fear is not a good motivator. It doesn't last. So I don't want that to be your motivation. My prayer is that God's love becomes your motivation. And that will hold you tight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may you break through our hearts and love on us in a way that we can feel that is tangible. Jesus, you already came and died for us. There's nothing more that you need to do to demonstrate your heart for us. But God, somehow we have allowed the world to insulate us that we still think it's about us, that we still think it's about stuff, that we think it's still about distractions. And God, take all that away for a moment that we might have a moment of clarity. The right here in this place, every heart would say, yes, Lord, that every knee would bow, every tongue confess that you, Jesus Christ, are our Lord and master and savior, that right here, everyone would be rescued, that right now, when we understand that you are the great and mighty one, the master of the universe, that you, God, are who we live for and why we exist. So we, right now, surrender once again to your leadership. We surrender once again to your agenda. We surrender once again our hearts and lives and say we are here but to serve you, our King. So be glorified in us. Lead us into strength and confidence and boldness and courage. And allow us to know that when things are at their worst, you will make them right again. And that we will forever be with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time. Here's what matters. I don't care who you're married to and if they're a good Christian. I care about your heart. I don't care who your parents are. I don't care who your children are. I don't care what church you attend. I don't care what you think your association is with a religious institution. Do you know Jesus or do you not? Because when it comes down, I don't care how close you are to somebody else. You may work with them. You may know them. You may be married to them, laying in bed with them. You may be doing all sorts of partnership things. And God knows how to separate out hearts. This one loves me. This one does not. So this whole game where we're all going to go in as a team and that you can kind of ignore Jesus, but hey, you kind of did a couple things, and hey, I know a bunch of people, they're all Christians, I'm sure that God's going to be, they'll probably pray for me and stuff. Individually, you. 
Let's say there's no one else in the world, just you. Do you love Jesus or do you not? Because that is going to be the deciding factor on whether you're with him or you're not. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. Just you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you told us all this stuff so we would have all the information to be ready. And God, some of us, we're taking it really serious. And some of us, it all sounds like Narnia folktales. Would you continue to reveal yourself so clearly and so long that it gets through our period of apathy? God, would you wake us up and allow us to know that you're real, you're legitimate, and that you are calling our name? That, Father, that we would know that it depends on our relationship with you right here, right now. That, God, that there may not be a tomorrow, that it may be right here is the only day that we have by which to fall in love with you, by which to know you, by which to respond to what you're telling us. God, we don't have to be perfect, but we definitely have to be attached to you. And so, Lord, I pray right now, if there are any within the sound of my voice, anyone that can see me, anyone that is hearing this word of yours echo out, God, rescue them. Save them even where they sit, even where they stand, even where they drive. God, save them. Heal them, rescue them, bring them to a place where they would admit that they need you. God, do whatever is required, whatever is necessary for you to draw these men and women to yourself. And God, for those that are yours, bolster them with confidence. Give them surety and strength. Give them excitement and anticipation of your coming. Do not allow fear to have any hold on them anymore, but allow them to be more bold and more strong as the days increase. That God, that we are confident that as we are attached to you, your righteousness is upon us and that we are clean and that we are holy and that we are forgiven and we will not be rejected. We will not be abandoned but we will be rescued in jesus name we pray amen amen have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time